G'day, everybody. A very, very special isolation podcast this morning with my uh, dear colleagues, Keith Moody and Kai Zanardi. Gentlemen, good morning. I hope you're going okay today. Good morning, Redders. Yeah, I'm stoked to be on the podcast. It's been a long time coming and uh, really looking forward to uh, diving into some uh, sports chat. Morning, big man. Very excited. Can't wait. There's a wealth of knowledge that I have. I'm sure all the listeners have been desperate to have me on. Yes, I was waiting for that from you, Zanardi. No, no, no surprise for you to talk yourself up straight away. <laughs> and just for those of you that don't know, Keith Moody and Kai Zanardi are, are very close colleagues of mine from the Stockton and Northern District Cricket Club uh, in Newcastle. I've known these two hooligans since they were very young guys and uh, been, watched them through their journey into, into their early 20s. They're very fine young blokes and extremely close friends of mine and trusted mates. So we'll, we'll have some good times this morning. Guys, first of all, we're, we're going to talk about a couple of sports. We're going to talk NRL, NFL and cricket. First of all, guys, NRL, a subject that I know both of you are very keen on. Kai, I'm very sure that you're bullish on your Gold Coast Titans who made the finals last year and really should have beaten the Roosters in that semi-final. I'm not being nasty. They they should have won that. They were playing very good football. I see Big Tino's avoided the money from Redcliffe and stayed at Rabina. Where are you with the Titans? Are they are they top four material, Kai, genuinely? Biasly, I'd say yes, but realistically, we're not a top four side just off the back of You've got Toby Sexton coming into his first full year in the NRL, who I think is going to be a great player. And I tipped him out to a few of the boys last year when he had his debut and, and wanted him to replace Fogarty for the finals, which which didn't happen. But um, he'll, he's a he's a great young player. He's had big raps on him. Um, Brimson's always been a six, and that's our knock this year. Everyone's saying your halves are too young and they're not experienced enough. But Brimson only started playing fullback after William Zillman got injured and we needed a fullback and he come and plug the role and just done so well that he, he stayed there. So, and I just think, you know, I'll tell you that I think Aaron Clark's a good player and Aaron Booth is a good player, but not many people who don't support the Titans will. So I still think we're short in that hooker area, but realistically a forward pack, hundred percent, it's a top four forward pack, but there's still just that little, little missing link in that nine. And then um, a bit more experience for the halves for sure. You wonder whether they went hard at Reed Marnie, although Canterbury have got him. Do you think that young Campbell will have spent the off-season in the gym and, and building up? He's young Campbell, just to give everybody an indication, Keith Moody's not the biggest man of all times. He's a, what you'd call an average-sized bloke. And I reckon Keith Moody's got about 8 to 10 kilos on young Campbell. He's a whippet. You would think, because he showed a lot of signs, didn't he, Kai, at the end of last year? He's definitely quick. Oh, mate, he was electric in some of the games. Like, I just... I knew that he had some talent watching some of the Queensland Cup highlights and that, but he really impressed me. Um, he hasn't <laughs> been in the gym. There was an interview that I watched the other day and he said, oh, to be honest, I've been a bit lazy in the gym, but I've been eating plenty, so I put a couple of kilos on, but not as much as he'd like. And um, I still don't think he needs to – obviously, he's quite small and you want some size on him, but he goes hard as it is. And I think if you start to bulk him up too much, you're going to lose that elusiveness and speed. So he only needs probably another – I'd say five to six kilos of that lean muscle that's just going to help him a bit more in contact because he bursts through tackles as it is. Like, I remember the shock on my face when they played Storm that game in his debut and he just picked up Nico Hines and dropped him on his head like it was nothing. Keith, our great mate Jack Monaghan will probably be very bullish on the Canterbury Bulldogs given who they've signed. Uh, they really have signed some serious talent for this year and the following year. Um, give us a bit of a, an outlook on what you've seen in the NRL offseason that has uh, uh, interested you and, and teams that you think may be, uh, may be on the rise. 
Yeah, I think I think the dogs will obviously improve. Um, they've made some really good signings. Um, I just worry that Burton's not going to have that that half back alongside him to really thrive. Um, he, whenever he played at the Penrith, he had Cleary or he was with Luai, who are well established NRL halves. Um, state of origin halves. Yeah, state of origin halves. There you go. So if he goes into a side that's sort of still a bit down on confidence from um, previous years, uh, it might take him a while to fit in. Um, I still think they'll improve from where they have been, but I don't think they can threaten the eight. Um, and their, their forward, I think their forward pack's really good. Um, they've made some good additions there with Angai Jr. Um, coming off a really world-class, good world-class player. World-class player, Pangai Jr. That, that, that's, I reckon... A lot of my mates are saying that the Canterbury's bought too many backs. And I note this week that Nick Kotrick went back to Canberra, but it's in the forward pack that they need to get fair income. And that's where Gold Coast, as an example, Kai's sitting right next to you, Gold Coast have developed their forward pack enormously. And Canterbury need to get the go forward. And Pangai Jr. could be an absolute star for them, Keith. And they've got to get Luke Thompson vaccinated because he's been very hesitant. And the day's coming soon that he's going to have to make a decision. Yeah, there's been talk about him. Uh, leaving to join the Tigers too. So if he goes, that's a big loss for them because he was sort of starting to settle in there, I think, and um, actually fulfil his potential that he came over here with. So um, they want to hang on to him because I think he'd be a massive addition to their forward pack. I can't see him holding on to him with Kickout coming next year, though. He's on a big contract. I can't see Kickout being on anything less than 800 grand a year, to be honest. Um, and Reid Marnie, maybe six 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 fifty. Uh, to be honest with you. Um, I'm looking sort of uh, going further. I have questions over Melbourne's depth. Um, and I think that the team that's benefited the most from that is Cronulla. New coach in Craig Fitzgibbon, Nico Hines and Dale Finucane heading there. Finucane's in the back end of his career, but Nico Hines was superb last year, guys. And I can see the Sharkies putting, definitely making the top six and very possibly preliminary final weekend. I think they're going to be a very good football side if they can stay in the park. Sharks are my biggest smokies for next year, mate. They've recruited unbelievably because everyone looks at Finacane and, uh, and Hines and just thinks, well, there's those two players. And then you're feeling that you've got one of the hardest, most passionate players in the game. Cam McKinnis didn't play a game last year. He's there. He's going to have his first full season at the Sharks. And then another signing, they've already got such good wingers in Mulatalo and, um, oh. and Katoa. Great finishes. You're going to see one of them shift into the centres, add some strike there, and probably the most underrated winger in the game, Matty Cavallo from the Roosters. Big body, strong metres on his return, and can finish anything. He's one of the best signings they've got underrated as well. So I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if you blokes are old enough to remember. I'm sure you will. Matt Cavallo reminds me a little bit of a guy that played for Canterbury in the West Tigers called Matt Utai. Big, strong, low to the ground winger. Cavallo is not quite as big as him, but he is a very good finisher. Look, I think that Cronulla are going to be a real good side. Um, I have at the perpetual question about the Brisbane Broncos. I think they'll be much better for signing Adam Reynolds. I actually think, even though he's in the back third of his career, I think that he'll guide them around the park. He's still a very smart footballer. And um, I think that they'll do better. But I think that they're a mess off the field, Brisbane, which has never been the case. And I'm sure that Wayne Bennett will be doing everything he can to get all the best Brisbane players across to Redcliffe the, the year after. Um, how the Warriors go they're, they're set to play in Queensland for a while Good God only knows I don't think the Storm will make the top four There's my tip I think the Storm are 
I think they're going to be exposed for lack of depth. They've picked up Xavier Coates, who's a very good buy, but they're such a good football side, but I think that they've lost some top-end talent, and I just question that. Um, Yeah, Xavier Coates, Redders, I think think he's going to be... I know he's already a well-established, good winger. I think he's going to be one of the biggest improvers this year under Bellamy. And I, I even reckon that he'll he'll get Dally M winger of the year and play for Australia by the end of this season. Um, I think he's going to be that good. And Bellamy's just going to make him an even better player. Okay, let's drill down to the team based where you guys are, but you see all the press about. And let's face it, Newcastle, Newcastle press is all about the Knights first. Yeah, I'm getting the thumbs down from Xanadu here, but it is important because there's so much press about them. Uh, I've got the draw in front of me. In the first game for the Knights, they're at home first up to the Roosters. Um, guys, do Newcastle make the eight this year? No. I, I think they'll slot in similarly to where they were last year, probably seven, six or seven, six, seven, eight. I see the Knights on a serious decline, Dave. No Mitch Pierce. They still haven't got a halfback. They've they've done nothing to show me that they're improving. Their last year's back end of the year was just embarrassing. Their attack was so one-dimensional and just fine ponger, hope he does a skip across and throw a cutout pass. And all they've done is lose their halfback and their best utility player off the bench. I see them sliding a fair bit. Who's gone? Thank you for that. He's gone to the Roosters. Correction there. The Roosters, the way the NRL draws done on their website is, is, is flipped over. The Roosters and the Knights, their first game of the season's at the Sydney Cricket Ground on the 12th of March. Uh, I think they'll be there or thereabouts for the eight. I do worry about them at halfback now that Pierce has gone to play for the Catalans Dragons in Perpignan. Um, I tell you what, the start of the, the first game of the season is a cracking game. It's Penrith and Manly. And I think that Manly, given that Tom Turbo will probably not be going to the Corso uh, anytime in February and March late at night and going and doing sprint work at three o'clock in the morning, I think that Manly are a real show. They were very, very good at the end of last season. To be fair, so were Parramatta. Parramatta played pretty solid. That final they played at Rockhampton was a great game of football in which they nearly beat Penrith. I think that Manly are a real show. In fact, I think Manly will make the top four. They are possible grand finalists in my mind. Guys, your thoughts on Manly and Penrith? Yeah, I think, I think if Manly stay injury-free, you've probably seen over the last few years, their depth has really been tested. Absolutely. Um, and I don't think they have the depth, particularly in their key positions um, at fullback and in the halves. Um, and with Four and, and Cherry Evans getting a little bit older, um, it's important that they start developing some young fellas and maybe even blooding them this year when there is an injury because... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, but if they're injury-free, yeah, absolutely. I, I can see them winning, winning a comp for sure. Well, I think with Manly, the thing that impressed me a bit towards the end of last year is when there was a few times they played Melbourne, who obviously not every team's going to have the defensive... Um, what's the word? Uh, OS? Yeah, yeah, to, uh, to get up in Turbo's face and stop him enough as what he can. But Dylan Walker turned himself around from a rubbish 5'8", on the way on the back end of his career to a great utility 13 player off the bench and really provided a fair bit of spark for them at the end. So I just think they need to develop those little other areas of their game and not be so reliant on the one player. And obviously he's, he's probably the best player in the game at the moment, I think, Turbo when he's on. But um, I'm a big fan of the Taniela Paseca, the big front rower, and uh, Ola Kawar too, the big back rower there. I think they need to have two big... Standout years and sort of breakout years to uh, 
to really push Manly, and I think they probably will. It's an interesting that I agree with you. I think that Tom Trebovich is clearly the best player in the world. And he, when it comes to state of origin, I'm playing for Australia next year. He won't play in his chosen position because James Tedesco's got that wrapped up. The beauty of Trebovich is he can play anywhere in the back line, really, other than probably halfback. And he's a, when he and Mitchell are on, they're a lethal centre pairing, as was seen at the origin last year when New South Wales got going. They could, Queensland couldn't stop them, particularly those outside backs. They were just superb. Guys, time to change codes and go over to cricket at the moment. Um, I was very interested to see how Australia would, would go when they were five for 260-odd um, yesterday. And I thought, you wonder if Queen, um, with the pink ball, whether England will get them out for under 300 and really put some pressure on. Again, the Australian bottom order, Carey did well, Stark did well, Nessa did well on debut. The Poms are two for 17, chasing 473. I think there's too much dependent on Joe Root and Darwin Milan at the moment. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... They seem to be coming in early every every inning, so the pressure is always on those two. And until they can find a, an opener that that's uh, willing to knuckle down and and even get thirty or forty um, just to see off that new ball, Root and Milana, yeah, they're going to have a tough time of it out here. Um, but yeah, that not having an established opener is really really hurting them. Well, I haven't seen enough of Milan. And Darwin to um, say that the pressure's on him because from what I've seen so far, he's just another nuffy in that side that looks good till he gets to 15 and will sneak off. Joe Root's the one who's got the big job. And the thing is, he just can't handle it in Australia. It makes me so happy because every time he comes out here, oh, he's had the best test calendar year as any batsman. He's averaging this and this and this. And he just crumbles. He just can't handle it. I think, um, to be fair, their bowler's pretty pedestrian at the moment. I still have no idea how you leave two bowlers out of the first side and then they open the bowling for you in the second match. just doesn't make sense. They're a shambles at the moment. Mate, we are going to absolutely wipe them. They have zero chance of winning a game. I, I cannot believe that Anderson... Anderson apparently had one of the old men calf injuries in Brisbane. I can't believe you wouldn't produce Stuart Broad up to play in the first test, given his record against Australia. Broad's got 500 test wickets and more. And his record to our left-handers is superb. Albus couldn't get a bat at him in England a couple of years ago, and they don't play him in the first test. What's going through? I know it's a five-test series and so forth, but um, you wonder what's going on a bit. I thought that Milan and Root were pretty good in the second innings in Brisbane. They both made 80s and, and, and stuck it out. However, um, Australia's not without their own little problems. I don't think Marcus Harris will play the next test, and that leads me to my next direct question, guys. Um if you're going into the next test match at the MCG at Unboxing Day, who would you have? And please give me your, uh, I'd really like to know your opinions and your justification. Who would you have opening with David Warner at the MCG, gentlemen? I have one player in mind. It has to be, there's only one man, David. It's got to be King Quadra. Oh, I, I, had a, I looked at a stat the other day and it was Marcus Harris's last 10 test innings. There was two scores above 10 and one of them was a 30. And there was eight below 10. Usman Quaza averages 90 runs opening the batting. He's just, his form was good leading up to it. It's like they, I don't know what it is, but they just don't want to pick him. And he's always looked so good with the bat. Um, he accompanies Warner well. I just think he, it has to be him. But Harris is a proper player. He's no good. Keith? Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's the obvious pick. Um, I wouldn't say there's anyone really knocking the door down other other than him. Um, like, look, he could look to blood someone a bit younger, um, but throwing someone into the heat of an Ashes battle 
in the middle of a series, I think that's not the, uh, the right way to introduce them to test cricket. So uh, I think having Kawaja's experience at the top of the order with Warner, um, I think that's the obvious pick. And I think, yeah, I think that's what they will and should go with. Uh, I agree completely. Um, the guy that they've got circled as being a new Australian debutant in the next 12 months is Street from Queensland, who opens, who bats in the top order and in fact opens for Queensland. No one else in the Sheffield Shield really demanded a pick. Bancroft didn't get enough runs. Daniel Hughes appears to be, uh, like he's an average of 37 or 38 and hasn't got enough runs this year. Um, and the other guys that got runs, not many of them were openers. And um, I think Hanscom's got some runs. Mattinson's got some runs, but they're not really opening bats. And no one is, as Kai just mentioned, no one's built in there. And we'll give you a name of someone that they're keeping an eye on. It's a bike that I had, um, I had in, in sides, representative sides from Western Zone in New South Wales. Henry Hunt, the South Australian umpires, uh, the South Australian players making some runs. He's made a couple of centuries. He's only just around your age. He's a good player. He's actually in the same age group as Bailey McGill and Jason Sanger. He played at the same tournament as them in Raymond Terrace a few years ago. So he's around or about your age. Henry Hunt can play, and we need you to see how his career develops. Um, he played for Australia last week. In fact, he substituted for Australia last week when Warner was injured. Um, yeah, look, oh, the, the big bash has been exciting. I um, was asked my opinion when uh, Tim Payne was forced to withdraw from the Australian side, who I'd pick as the Australian keeper, and I threw out Josh Phillippe. And I stick by that. I think Kerry's a very good player, and he, I'm glad to see him make runs yesterday. But guys, you, you, um, the big bash has been very exciting. Maxwell Marsh and Philippi coming to the coming to the fore. Philippi took it to a the start of this year for me. I was still a bit of a. I know he hit the most runs last year and looked good, and I was still thought he was a bit of a pretender and just you know a bit of a hack. Went very hard. Got lucky every now and then, but to be honest, his first few games, he's been a, he's been pretty classy with the stick. You can tell um that he's trained something and he's not just 100 mile an hour from ball one. He's building his innings and like that 99 not out the other day. Oh, that was pretty classy. Keith? Yeah, all, all three knocks were pretty impressive, to be honest. Uh, yeah, uh, Philippi almost won up Maxwell's knock in the end, didn't he? Chasing is always a little bit harder. Um, and Mitch Marsh, that was just, that was just some hitting. Um, Absolutely whacking them. So I think I think if uh, Green fails in the second innings of this test match and doesn't do much with the ball, I think Mitch Marsh is a sniff of uh, getting called up on Boxing Day with the form that he's in um, following the T20 World Cup as well. Um, yeah, I think Mitch Marsh is a real chance playing on Boxing Day. That's a very good point. Marsh, the Poms like bowling off cutters to Marsh and trapping him in front a little, a little bit like Shane Watson did in the second half of his career. They think he's a bit susceptible in that area. Um, Philip, he's a great player. Maxwell's been superb. I think that Matthew Wade got his numbers wrong. Why you bowl the last over of a T20 game having Darcy short bowl left arm wrist spin to Mitch Marsh on strike to a short Bell Reeve boundary? Remember, Bell Reeve's the longest ground in the AFL and also the shortest square. I think they got their numbers wrong. I think I would have had some like Nathan Ellis bowl that last over because he bowls death and he's got a I'm showing my fingers to the guys he puts his fingers in different position on the ball and can bowl he bowls back of the wrist front of the wrist um, uh, death ball so I think it's the only mistake King Wade has ever made mate sorry it's the only mistake that King Wade has ever made King Wade big big Matthew Wade fan his innings oh. against this his innings against the Sixers was had to be we were at the wash tub watching that after cricket last week and his innings against the Sixers was Phenomenal. It was just the purest hitting. And he made the SCG boundaries 
look small and the SCG boundaries aren't small. It's around about the same sort of size as Newcastle number one to give you a picture, but he made he was hitting it over the fence, even though they've got the ropes in. So no, interesting points there. I'm, I'd be really interested to see how the Poms go today under enormous pressure. As soon as if, if they're if they're um, three or four down when when the sun starts again, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Remember, it's a it's a very very different looking Australian attack with Nessa, Stark, and Richardson. It's almost un, un, unbelievable that they they're both making their debuts. Oh, sorry, that Nessa's making his debut, and I think it's Richardson's fourth or fifth test. So interesting to see how they go, um, guys. I know you watched uh, quite a bit of the, the a superb game of football between Kansas City and Los Angeles yesterday. Um, it looked, first of all, we'll talk about that game. There's been some massive developments overnights in the NFL. I'm not sure if you've caught up with it, which I'll talk about in a minute. First of all, KC in LA at the magnificent SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Um, what a game of football that was. Talk us through that one. It must have been great to watch. Oh, so good. And we were all sitting, we had all the boys here in the lounge. And obviously, Keith and Laurie have been in the NFL for a long time. And I'm, I'm just starting to get into it over the last year. And we had young Nick, an NFL virgin. He was even loving it as well. It was, um, Proper like end-to-end footy, kept you involved the whole time on a knife's edge. Fantastic. And I think um, Laurie made the point, I was sitting there riding my homes off saying he's gone. It's the easiest 450 million he's ever going to make. He's just lost it this year. But he still finds a way to just get those get those third down, fourth down conversions in those clutch times or come up with a 30-yard run when they need it. So it's obviously still there. Just, um, just need to put it all together. Yeah, I was really impressed with uh, the Chargers QB, Justin Herbert. I think I think he's a really exciting prospect. What is it, his second year now? He's a star, guys. If it comes yeah. out of Oregon, he is an absolute star. Yeah. Um, remember, he gets to play half his games in the controlled environment at SoFi. But he, he's a jet, isn't he? He's quick, he's smart. And, um, and you go ahead with talking about Herbert, please. It's, this is your podcast, not mine. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got it all. Like he can rush for a touchdown. He's got a very accurate and long arm as well. And um, and I think they're a really exciting team to watch too. The Chargers, pretty well every fourth down, no matter how far away they were, they went for it rather than punting. So it, sometimes it didn't come off, but they stuck to their guns. And um, obviously that shows that they got a lot of trust in Herbert and and making big plays and um. And they're running back to Austin Eckley. He's, he's a real powerhouse. Only short, but got good footwork and, and can break tackles. So I think the Chargers are a bit of a smoky this year. Um, tough division. Tough division yeah. playing against Kansas City and Denver and Vegas because they're one of the few divisions in America where all four sides can actually make the playoffs. It yeah. is a tough division, but Kansas City at ten and four. If the the Patriots have got the Bills left, there's a real possibility that Kansas City won't lose again and get top seed. And I'm telling you, no one will want to play Kansas City in Kansas City, not in front of those lunatic fans. Um, <laughs> if you're listening over there, the former fantastic Newcastle cricketer Bert Cockler lives in Kansas City. So, Bertie, if you're listening, hello, mate. But uh, the Chiefs, everybody will be bullish on the Chiefs. Now, just to let you know, there's been, as you've probably seen in the press, a huge amount of COVID issues in America, particularly with Cleveland Browns and the Los Angeles Rams. So, there were games being played tomorrow our time, Saturday in America, the Raiders and the Browns has been moved to Monday afternoon, a five o'clock game. And the Washington Phillies, Seahawks, Rams games have been moved to Tuesday, which is very, very rare to play Tuesday. That's in America. So we will have football in Australia on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday on different days because of COVID. Um, the Browns apparently got 24 players 
on the COVID protocol list. 24 plus their head coach. Sounds like our yeah. club at the moment, don't Oh, mate. Yeah. And, and the problem is in the northern half of America, it's very, it's getting cold. And when COVID hits and it's cold weather, there's these, like the perfect storm. Um, well, what's happening in Australia at the moment, <coughs> excuse me, is a bit unusual because it's getting hot. But, um, you know, that, that's, that's what it is. So, look, those football games have been moved. I think the most exciting, one of the most exciting games is the Patriots and the Colts, which will be tomorrow at midday, our time. That's going to be played at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. That's going to be a great game of football, really well. The Ravens hosting the Packers is also a very big game as well. But um, right now, guys, who do you like to get, say, not, not to win the whole thing, but who do you like to get to the conference finals in both in both the AFC and the NFC? Well, Keith, first of all, to you. Who do you think is going to be in that final four, my friend? I'm uh, probably a little bit biased, but I think the uh, the Patriots at the moment they're flying. Yep. Um, their their defense is just unstoppable. You got Judon, who's just getting sacks for fun, and then in the backfield you got JC Jackson and and the experienced old head of uh, McCourty. Devin McCourty, um, and they're just carving up. They're just getting stops for fun. So. Uh, if, if Mac Jones can fire and um, and Damien Harris and Stevenson, um, I think the Patriots can really give the competition a shake. Uh, Bill Belichick, he, he knows how to get it done. Um, he knows how to grind teams out. And you saw with that Bills win the other day. Um, mate, they, oh, I'm very excited for what we can achieve. Um uh, just going back to that Bills Patriots game, we can talk whatever we like in this podcast. That weather was extraordinary. I'm not sure if you've been at the Newcastle International Sports Team or Hunter Stadium when the wind's been blowing in the middle of winter when it's howling down from one end, when it's howling down from the Broadmeadow Station and going that way. That's what the wind was like at Buffalo. I've been at the, New- the stadium in Newcastle when the wind's howling. And the fair dinkum, you can kick the ball into the wind, it goes back over your head. That's how strong it can be. And we also get very strong breezes at, at Linoval as well in, in times. But they, that, those conditions in Buffalo were utterly ridiculous for football. I've quite very rarely seen that. Um, Kai, I'm assuming you're, from your Facebook post that you're a Titans man, given that you're a Titans man in Australia. Tennessee Titans yeah. fan, Dave. Absolutely, mate. And I, th- um, I think that they're still a show. They need to get Derrick Henry back on the park, though. They've, they've become a much more average side without him because he's the best running back in America. Um, I think that if they get him back, they're a real show. I do think that Kansas City is the one team that nobody will want to play because they're lethal. Um, you were talking yesterday on, um, in our post, in our messages about Travis Kelsey. He's another great player. He, he's, a, he's a guy that's a rander about your height, mate, a bit taller, and he's very athletic. He's a, he's a superstar. He's, um, that touchdown he scored yesterday was just superb to win that game. But, yeah, mate, Derek Henry, big out for us, obviously. Best running back in the game, I think. And um, to be fair, though, we, were, we started off real well without him, but I think we still have that momentum. Yeah. And, um, and then it took, like, what, a loss to the Jets, which was just horrible. And then just some little silly mistakes from them. We got beat by the Pats, beat ourselves in the Pats. That last quarter, we just folded and then they ran through and ran up the score a bit. But um, we've been hurting too without uh, AJ Brown's been a big out lately too. Young wide receiver, he's a great player. I'm a big fan of his. And I think when we get him back as well, and Julio Jones only just returned back last game. I know he's an old fella now, but geez, he's still got his speed. He's got some great hands. He's a, he's a phenomenal wide receiver. If you go and watch highlights of that Patriots 
uh, Falcons uh, Super Bowl a few years ago. What Jones did in that game was ridiculous. Serious player. He had one of um, the best highlights of the year this year. He'd come off, um, hit one of the defenders' helmets, and he's like, run, full stretch dive, caught it, toe tap, in by millimetres. Superb. Super, a super athlete um, in the back half of his career, to be fair. In the NFC, uh, I think that the best side right now is probably Green Bay. I think they're the most balanced, except their special teams got torched by Chicago in a 75-point game the weekend. Their special teams look like they're being run by Stevie Wonder, to be quite honest. They've got to get that right. Um, I think that the best three sides in the NFC, in order, are Green Bay, Zona and Tampa. Tampa have got a softish draw. And their 10 and 3 looks good. I just want to see what they're like when they're put under enormous pressure. Although Tom Brady's playing great football into his mid 40s. But I think that if I was going to suggest that I'd say Green Bay and Arizona might make the NFC Conference Championship and New England and Kansas City probably um, as the AFC Championship. And uh, I, I would think that if they get to those, they'd be two thrilling conference championships. And the smoky outside all of them who could cause the most damage, probably the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are a very, very dangerous football side, although they've got a stack of plays in COVID protocols as well. Guys, was there any other sporting things that you wanted to talk about from in the globe? Any sports at all before, before we're getting into the back, back end of the potty today? Um, anything you wanted to mention of note, anything that, stri- that struck you? Um, Formula One, foot, uh, European football, anything like Manchester City continuing to roll on, unfortunately. Liverpool getting themselves into second place quite nicely for you, Keith Moody, to be quite honest. Again, they did it during the week. Um, but I'm not sure if anyone's going to beat City. Guys, anything else you want to talk about? I was just going to ask you about Arizona, actually, Redders. With DeAndre Hopkins now out for the year, does that rule them out? No. One player doesn't. If it was Kyler Murray, he's the exception, yes, uh, that would. But that hurts Zona. They've shown a little bit of sign of vulnerability lately. And, for instance, they don't want to play a conference championship in Green Bay in minus 15. Um, I don't think anybody with their right mind would, with the possible exception of the Vikings and the Bears, probably who won't make it there because they're used to cold weather. But, yes, Hopkins hurts. Keith, he's a big-name recruit, an absolute star. And I think Green Bay... The other team that's playing good football in the NFC is actually the San Francisco 49ers. They're going quite nicely at the moment. Yeah. was there anything, any other things you wanted to talk about, big fella or, or, or Keith? Yeah, mate. I actually wanted to get your uh, a couple of things. Just your, I wanted you to tip the premiership winner in the NRL, the wooden spooner, who your biggest improver is, and who's your biggest slide. Okay, biggest slide and wooden spooner of the West Tigers. I think that club's got enormous issues on and off the park. Okay. That documentary last year was fascinating, but it also has done them no favours because we got to see some of the truths. The fact that Luciano Leilua, who in my mind is their best player, wanted an immediate release to go to Townsville, shows me what's going on there. And I, I don't think you could throw a million dollars at a player right now, uh, a million at a guy who's earning 250 and they wouldn't go to the West Tigers. So the West Tigers to slide out and to be the wooden spooner. Biggest improver, the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, no question in my mind. The, the Premier, Manly. Wow. Manly. Manly to beat Penrith in a in a grand final. Hopefully at Stadium Australia this Penrith time. to make three in a row. No, I I think but make three have, make three finals in a row. No, I think they've I think they'll be in another grand final or two in the next couple of years. But as long as Clear and Luai stay there, but I think that they've just lost a little bit of depth. Um, and I I think that that next year I think that I 
I, I think that Manly will get them. I think Manly will be the uh, a very good football side. Can I throw the same questions back to you, please? You both of you, Keith Moody to start. Yeah, I think my biggest slide. I reckon Parramatta. I okay. think I think there's a bit going on on off the field there. Um, Always is a Parramatta. They're a very political club, Keith. I think I think they might still make the eight, but it'll be the bottom half. Yep. Uh, or just miss out. Um, Wooden Spoon, West Tigers, agree. They're absolute shambles. Their signings are uh, nobody's really. Questionable. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think they'll get the spoon for sure. Uh, biggest improvers, I think, will be the Broncos. Um, they're young blokes that they've blooded. They're, they're there now. They've got no excuse. And Reynolds there now to uh, steer the ship. I think they'll they'll improve. Whether or not they make the eight, I don't know, but uh, definitely pushing that top eight. Uh, and Premiership, I, I think the Roosters will win the comp this year. To be honest, Redders, okay. um, they get a lot of players back in Keary. Sam Walker gets another year under his belt. Um, Lindsay Collins comes back. Crichton, he spent a fair bit of time off the field last year. I think the Roosters have got a great side, um, and I think they can win it for sure. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> do your tips, please. Well, Keithy's just um, – we had a little chat about this about probably half hour before we jumped on the potty, mate, and uh, he's just scripted exactly what I said about the Roosters. I, I see them winning the comp big time. Like you just said, Keary back. Everyone forgot how good of a player he was. Sam Walker. Bulked up another preseason. Suwali has put on about eight kilos. I think he said he's under Joey Manu's wing. Connor Watson back off the fourteen roll. It's just going to be superb. Uh, their biggest loss, though, the Roosters definitely losing one of the best players in the game and their best player, Isaac Liu, to the Titans, the hard middleman. He's going to be a hard person to replace. But I, um, I still see them winning the comp on top. I think they're going to be very hard to beat. And uh, my biggest old wooden spoon, without a doubt, shout out to me, mate, Ben Whitty, your Tigers stink. They are going absolutely nowhere and very fast. They are a poor side, no direction. I think their best player, Adam Dewey, is going to be out for the first half of the season. Um, the only player in their side that would make the starting 17 at many others would be Stefano Utakamano, the front row, who is a good prospect and a good player but you're not going to get a 19-year-old kid playing front row to carry your entire team. And um, my biggest slide, I still see them creeping into the eight, but I think they'll finish between six and eights, and that's the Rabbitohs. They've obviously still got talent in Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker, um, Cameron, Cameron Murray, Damian Cook. They've still got the bones there of a very good side, but... I went back and had a look at a lot of the games from there last year, just a little highlights when I was watching it. As soon as I realised that they were releasing Reynolds and all their shape out to that left left side, and so lethal and they score so many tries and Cody Walker always seems to sum up the perfect three-on-two. But the reason he gets that three-on-two is Adam Reynolds just has that ability to – it's quite hard as a half, being a halfback myself, obviously, Dave, to run straight and straighten up the attack. And he's just got that ability to straighten up the attack. And he holds that first pass for so long that when he throws it out the back, he's almost just gliding past that lead runner, which so then that 
CB defender and the one outside all have to wait on Reynolds and that lead runner in case he goes short. So then as soon as he goes out the back, that's where all that speed comes from and that's where all the, their overlaps come from. So to put that on a rookie halfback, I think it's going to be uh, Elias is looking like their first choice halfback to start the year. It's going to be a lot for him to try and handle and then we all know the Wayne Bennett factor, what happens after uh, he leaves for a year. So they're going to have some – I think they can find themselves in a bit of trouble. Yeah, Rabbitohs. And very interesting point, mate. After watching you two play uh, touch football at Stockton uh, at, at, before cricket, I always thought of the creative genius with Keith Moody, and he would always hit you a two or three out on the left flank. I always thought that he was the halfback with the talent, and you were the crash ball centre guy rather than the other way around. Keith's laughing at the moment. I always thought that when Keith, Keith had the ball on the string, it was you were difficult to stop. Um, interesting points about the Rabbits there, to be quite honest, but yeah. Keith's just laughing. <laughs> you can sit there, you sit there going, yeah, that's about right. Guys, um, look, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great fun. Let's do this again. I really enjoyed talking a gamut of sports, sports with you and uh, look forward to catching up with you. Was there anything else you want to say in finale? Any, any other final points, any other games of highlights that people should be watching out for? Yeah, I went back through last night and watched the replay of the Titans versus the Knights and I think it was round nine last year. David Fafita Hattrick, great game. Do yourself a favour. Very good. Keith Moody in finality. No, I was just going to say thanks for having us on, Redders. Uh, it's kept us entertained in uh, this isolation period. So, yeah, if we could get back on and talk some more sport, I'm sure we'd be uh, very keen to do that. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have really enjoyed it. I mean, look, it helps it when, when you're good mates, but it's, it's been a lot of fun and we've got covered a lot of things. It's been really interesting. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, and I thank you both very much for giving up your time. Let's do this again very soon and try and make it a regular thing if you've got time for me. I, if, you, if you're willing to do that, I'd love to do that. So thank you both very much, guys. Superb, guys. Thank you very much, sir. On behalf of Keith Moody, Kaizenati, this is David Redden. That's been our Keith Zanadu and Redders podcast for the 18th of December. Uh, we'll catch up with you all soon. A big cheer out to all of our friends at the Stockton Northern District Sphere Club and also everybody in the Newcastle, Lake Macquarie area that is struggling at the moment with COVID. Um, it has really decimated the community. Everybody be safe. I know that Keith and Kai are in isolation as well. To you guys, just get make sure everything's okay. I hope you're safe. My thoughts and prayers are with you all. I just hope you're back with your families at Christmas, guys, okay? Uh, look after yourself. It'd be good good to see you all. And I look forward to seeing you again soon, fellas, okay? Appreciate it, Redis. Thanks, Redis. On behalf of Kai, Keith and David, take care, everyone. We'll see you soon.